Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. We are uh, officially starting a new series today on the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll pick up there in a bit. Uh, And as you're turning there, I'll go ahead and invite Hannah and Richard uh, up to the front, and uh, I will ask them to uh, just share a bit about what God's been doing in their lives in the last few months. And I had to sneak this in now before the baby comes. Hello. Um, So I think the last couple months for me have just been like this all over the place. I don't necessarily have like one moment where it's like, all right, this is the moment to share. Um, But when I think about the last couple months, I think about, I think the words that come to mind are pursuit and intentionality. And just like the times that God has really shown up are times when either I have stepped out of my comfort zone and been like, okay, God, I feel like you're wanting me to do this. I don't want to do that, but I'm going to try because I feel like maybe I'm hearing you say that or someone else did the same thing for me. So I'll just give it like a couple examples that come to mind and I'll let Richard share. But um, I know the first one was um, when we gathered at Matt's house after they had come back from Greece and we were kind of hearing what um, had gone on in everyone's life and it was a really powerful time of prayer, although it started out where like they were all being like very spirit-led and I just felt on the outside and just kind of was there but not really feeling like I was part of it. And then it was really cool. Matt was like, I feel like we should pray for Hannah and Richard. And I was like, oh, okay. So then they prayed for us and that, like I felt some burdens lifted. But then after that, um, Coulter's back was really hurting him at that point. And um, we were all trying to lean into praying for healing and like things like that. And so I very like, I, I felt like I was supposed to pray boldly for healing for Coulter's back. And, and so pretty much in short, I did. It didn't happen. It wasn't like a, I prayed for him and he was healed. But after that moment, it was kind of the first time where I felt God being like, I told you that I wanted you to pray for this and you did it and I'm proud of you. And it doesn't matter that the healing didn't happen because I think that's always the fear of like, I feel like God's telling me to do this. What if it doesn't happen? Does that mean it's not from him? And I was, um, I learned in that moment that it was still from him. I knew that I heard it. And it was more a step of obedience for me to lean into that. So that was kind of the start of it. And then there were just other moments of praying with friends who were hurting and stepping out when I didn't feel like it because I was tired or wanted to do something else. Um, that, once again, it's not necessarily anything crazy happened from it, but it just that assurance of like, yes, God is in this. He's working. He's moving. Um, and I think the big thing that I'm learning right now is that God doesn't necessarily have to show up in these big ways that we keep hearing that he does because we know that he does, but he's not going to every time. And I think a lot of it is more us being willing to step out and, and have that obedience. And then he smiles on us and is like, good, you are taking that one next step that I'm asking you to take because you know, you want these big things, but I have all these little things 
just do the next thing I'm calling you to do right now. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do is keep leaning in. And what is that one little next step? Whether that's texting a friend, being willing to pray for something that's uncomfortable, giving someone a hug. Like it doesn't have to be these big, bold moves that we always think of, but they can be small. And so that's what I'm kind of leaning into right now. Uh, hi. I, yeah, microphones terrify me. <laughs> I watch really good of them. But, uh, um, yeah, um, just to kind of, I was trying to think like what to share. I think the last like uh, 10, 12 weeks have just been really special to see um, a lot of relationships in my life, whether it be like relationship with my dad, um, a lot of relationships from this church, just people that I didn't really know, just seeing them change in a way that like um, they're uh, outward uh, exuberance and joy for Christ is just uh, just permeates from them at all times, and it's just been really uplifting. And I can just go talk to you guys a lot about just like, this wonderful journey it's been for like the twelve last twelve weeks. Um, but the interesting part that I think is more just like what I'm going through right now is like I've been sick for eight weeks, and so I got sick like eight weeks ago. And I'm still sick. Been to the doctor many times. They're doing tests. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me. Got like seven different things I'm taking, and uh, I am feeling a lot better today. I'm talking, which is awesome. Um, but I just think it was, it's really, like, when uh, our leaders came back from Greece uh, a while back, um, Coulter was talking about, we talked about his back pain. Matt had back pain. There was just a lot of physical, like, and ailments that were coming upon us. And we talked about it openly, the fact that this is not something that we should just chalk up to, like, oh, this is random, you know? There's this, like, power of the way that Christ is working right now. And randomly, our, just, our church is being crippled by, like, physical and ailments. Um, and so it's been really beautiful, honestly, these last eight weeks, kind of as I've been getting a little more sick, like each day it feels like, um, the church and my wife have just been all around me. I've just felt Christ's presence in a way that I have in the past when I felt crippled or felt, you know, beat down. I've never felt alone. And uh, it's just been beautiful. I can probably name, you know, 20 people in this room right now that prayed for me. Um, they've just talked to me and asked how I'm doing. Uh, and it's just been something, a good reminder that, like, uh, don't chalk up, you know, these, these things as, as you have these wonderful, beautiful moments with Christ where you experience him in a way that uh, you haven't in the past. Um, and then all of a sudden something crippling comes along the next day. Don't just think it's, you know, chance. Uh, I really, I remember who it was, but someone said recently to me that, um, the devil has no way of stopping God, but he can try to slow down his people. And I really do think that's what he tries to do at times, especially in our church right now, as I think there's just a lot of beauty and a lot of love and a lot of like healing that's taking place in our community. Uh, he's trying to find a way just to slow you down, even if it's just giving you a cold or a cough, you know, or making you have back pain, um, because those things kind of shut you up a little bit. And so I've just been encouraging to myself, and I thank a lot of you guys for just the way that you've been Christ to me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's been beautiful. So God is good. God's more powerful. We love him so much. And yeah, I just want to share that. So I'm going to pray. Yes. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time and this place and just the ability to uh, share our hearts and share what's going on, whether it's something profound and big or just a little thing that you've laid on our hearts. And so as we uh, go into this time with Matt, I pray that you would just give him words to say, whether they're the words that he's prepared or something else completely, Lord. Um, I ask that the Holy Spirit would just anoint him right now and speak powerfully to us, whether that's with bold words or just in a quiet whisper um, that we need to hear. God, get rid of the distractions that we come in with right now. Um, they have no place here, and and we just want to feel you, we want to hear you, and we want to fall more and more in love with you. So just be in this time, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen.
Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing, Hannah and Richard. Uh, that, was, that was amazing. Um, we are uh, going to jump into uh, our series here in the book of Ephesians. Uh, but before we actually read the text, just by way of reminder, uh, if you've been tracking with our Bible in a Year series uh, that we started last September, uh, then you know that we are just now finally transitioning from the Old Testament into uh, the New Testament. And so as we do that, and we kind of, we really officially did that last Sunday. But as we do that, I just want to provide a quick kind of bird's eye view, uh, overview of the New Testament itself. Uh, because when I, w- I remember being, you know, in my early 20s, getting my first Bible and, and just being like, just totally disoriented. Like, what is this thing? Where am I supposed to start? What's it, what's it all about? Uh, and I think we have a slide for this. But uh, a quick overview of the New Testament If you open up the New Testament, which is about 75% of the way into your Bible, it starts off with four gospel accounts, uh, which are uh, from the life of Jesus, describing his his birth, his life, his death, burial, resurrection, all of that. Um, After you get through the fourth account, uh, you get to the book of Acts, which in my mind really describes the birth of the church. So after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, what happens next? Well, there's this explosion of Jesus' followers across the world. And then the rest of the New Testament is letters. So as soon as you get out of the books of, book of Acts, you get to the letters that Paul wrote to new churches around the world as this movement began to explode. So you have the book of Romans, you have two letters to the church in Corinth, Galatians, Ephesians, which we'll be studying, Philippians, Colossians, two letters uh, to the Thessalonians, two to Timothy, to Titus, and to Philemon, however you'd like to pronounce that. Uh, then after you get through the, the many letters of Paul, you, there's a collection of other letters from other authors. You have the, book, the letter to uh, a letter called Hebrews, and we actually don't know who wrote that. It's kind of anonymous. There's lots of speculation. Uh, then you have a series of letters that are named after the people who wrote them. You have a letter from James, two from Peter, three from John, one from Jude, And then you get to the very last book in the Bible, which is the book of Revelation. And uh, Revelation is is unlike any of the other uh, books or letters in the New Testament in that it is apocalyptic literature uh, written by John, and it has some aspects of a letter, but it's, it's um, apocalyptic literature, and so it, it kind of sits in a category of its own, and we'll actually do an entire series on the book of Revelation starting in the fall. Um, so as you can see, as you kind of get into the New Testament, uh, you get the four gospel accounts, which we tried to sum up in a single Sunday, last Sunday, uh, but the majority, the vast majority of the New Testament is actually letters that are written to these new churches that are popping up uh, around the known world. And the bulk of the letters that were written were written by one man, uh, the Apostle Paul. And so if you go to the end of the gospel accounts and get into the book of Acts, you can actually read a historical account that gives us some information about the Apostle Paul, who he was, kind of where he's coming from, his encounter with the risen and glorified Jesus on the road to Damascus. And then after this radical conversion experience, Paul goes from murdering and persecuting Christians 
to then giving his life to Jesus and devoting his life uh, to, to be on mission to the non-Jewish world, uh, which was actually a crazy thing in that day. Everyone thought, oh, this is born out of Judaism. It will always be a Jewish movement. Uh, and Paul and some others uh, really saw things differently. No, no, no. Christ is for everyone. And, and he got to lead this explosion of, of church plants across what was then kind of the pagan or Gentile or non-Jewish world. That was his call. And so Paul traveled around uh, constantly, planting churches in Galatia and in Philippi and in Thessalonica and in Rome and, of course, in Ephesus as well. Uh, the ancient city of Ephesus is, uh, was, I should say, an important coastal city in Asia Minor, and I think we have a map uh, that hopefully loaded. Uh, and from this kind of ancient port city uh, in, oh, no, I forgot to load the map. That's a video that we're going to watch later. Well, you just have to imagine. Um, I totally forgot. I downloaded it and then didn't put it in. Um, you just have to imagine in your mind what, what the present-day country of Turkey looks like. Right? And so there's this, it was this coastal town in Asia Minor, which is what we kind of think of as like the Middle East, more or less. But it was uh, one of the most important cities in that region. And so Paul uh, actually spent years, some places he, he was just there briefly, just long enough to plant a church and move on. Uh, he was in Ephesus for years, not just planting the church in Ephesus, but actually raising up church planters who were then sent out all over Asia Minor. So this was this church planting movement that was birthed out of the city of Ephesus, and you can read in the book of Acts the incredible controversy that that stirred in a city that worshipped idols instead of Jesus. But that's kind of another uh, story for later in the series. Uh, the, the point is this. When Paul wrote his letter to uh, the Ephesians, it's, it's marked to, written to the church in Ephesus, but it's, it's almost, he almost certainly would have intended it to be circulated around Asia Minor to all of these different churches that had been planted out of the church in Ephesus. This letter uh, to the Ephesians can be broadly outlined in this way. There are six chapters in the book of Ephesians. The first three, uh, and we're going to study every single verse. Uh, we'll, we'll get through every single verse in the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters, the first half, is going to focus in on who God is, what God has done, and who we are as a result. It, it's all about the, the character of God, what he's done in and through the cross and resurrection, and our identity now as, as the new people of God. Then, when you hit the midpoint in the book, there's this hinge, there's this shift, and, and it's actually in chapter 4, verse 1, is the hinge in my mind. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So three chapters of identity and calling and who God is and who he's made us to be. And then him saying, hey, in light of all of that, I'm going to urge you to live a life worthy of this incredible calling that you have received. And so the second half of the book, chapters four through six, are going to be how we live out our identity and participate in the inbreaking kingdom of God. So... Uh, we are going to uh, dive into chapter 1 
But as we do, I, I wanted you to have all of that as context. Uh, the church that he's writing to, or church in general, the church of Jesus, uh, is kind of a brand new thing. And in the big picture story of the Bible and creation, God has just done something totally new and different through Jesus that is changing the entire world. God's kingdom is now breaking out. It's now advancing in new and rapid and fresh ways and and that have never been possible before. And Paul is going to be eager to highlight those things, to highlight that reality. Hey, here's who God is Here's what God has done, and here's who we are as a result. So we'll pick up in Ephesians 1, verse 1, beginning of the book. Uh, And as we do, I think we have our friend Michael from the Philippines who's actually going to read this uh, for us. Not live. He recorded it earlier. But um, here's Michael. I'm Michael Celoso from Gray City, Bulacan, here in the Philippines. And today, we begin our teaching in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesians, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace which he was freely given in us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of god's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the misery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under christ in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in christ might be the praise of his glory and you also were included in christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believe you were marked in him with the seal the promised holy spirit who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are god's possession to the praise of his glory let us pray father god in heaven i pray for the rivers edge church in spokane i pray father god for the truth of your gospel be preached on their place right now come and bless them and every people every workers every followers of the lord jesus christ be sealed by your holy spirit be empowered by your holy spirit and let it be driven father god to preach your word in their places and across their place i ask this in the name of jesus amen uh, yeah i guess we can clap even though he's not here uh, the, the Battertons uh, go to the Philippines about once a year, 
you guys end up going there and you're going next month, I think, to see Michael and those guys. And you guys have actually, whether you know it or not, supported them a ton in what they're doing, uh, even through Hear the Cry and the money that we give. And they're seeing this wave of, of church plants. They've gone from one small church to eight, eight churches. They're doing it on their eighth church plant or something like that, uh, just multiplying like crazy. And so if you want to go and meet those guys, you could go next month if you want to. Uh, but we also go about once a year uh, to see them and support in the ways that we can. And, and they're praying for us, which is crazy. Um, so uh, anyhow, uh, there, there's a lot to take in there. And I, I don't know if you could totally hear everything uh, in, in the video, uh, but there's, there's so much. We've, we've just, that's just the first half. That's half of one chapter. And yet there's so much in there that Michael just spoke out. And so there's so many directions that we could go in terms of kind of parsing out and celebrating the truth that's in there. But I want to start by actually glancing back through the passage and noticing how one-sided this is. If you scan back through these 14 verses, Paul starts his letter in praise and almost a sense of awe over who God is and what God has done. You see, often in various religions and spiritualities, you might start with this assumption that God or the gods, depending on the religion, are powerful and and they're worthy of worship. Therefore, you human being uh, should be moral. Therefore, you should serve a god or the gods with fear and reverence. Uh, But notice how Paul starts his letter. He doesn't just say, God is all-powerful and holy and the creator of all things. Therefore, let's jump straight to chapter 4 and let me tell you what you should do to honor God. It's actually not what he does. God is all of those things, to be sure. But Paul actually starts by standing in awe of who God is and in awe of what God has done in and through Jesus for you. And out of that will come a revelation of God's character and God's heart. And out of that will come response. But that's later. Uh, Look at the difference um, between what God has done for us and what we have done in response. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. We were made holy and blameless by the cross. We were predestined for adoption into God's family. We've freely been given God's glorious grace, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, forgiven, lavished with grace, been shown the mysteries of God, says we were included with Christ or welcomed in to God's kingdom. And we've been marked with the Holy Spirit, Paul says, almost like a down payment on your eternal inheritance. This is all what God and his own initiative has done for us. And if you read back through that passage... He only mentions two things that we've done. He says, you didn't earn any of that. 
All you did, your role, was simply this. We believed in Christ and, and, and we put our hope in him. You believed in Christ and you put your hope in him. And if you jump back to the previous slide, you, you can see the difference between that little bit that we gave. We believed in him, we put our hope in him, and this is what God has done on, on his side. All you did was put your hope in Jesus and your trust in him, and God has done everything else. He chose us, he's forgiven us, he's included us with Christ, he shared his mysteries with us, he's lavished his grace on us, he made us holy and blameless, he filled us and marked us with the Holy Spirit. Not because we are super spiritual or because we've done all the right things. It's not because you've got great church attendance or or you tithe 10%. It's not even because you went out and began to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no correlation there. That's not what triggered all of this. All of this comes from God as grace. That other stuff, that comes later. That's, That's just response to who God is. Some of you know uh, that I grew up in an atheist home or self-identifying as an atheist. And what first caused me to question my own atheism uh, was Christians. I ended up almost accidentally uh, going on a mission trip with a bunch of high school students um, from Ohio which that's like a whole other story of like how, how I ended up there. Um, it, but, but all of a sudden I got thrown into like Christian community and I had never, I didn't, I had never seen that before, ever. And, and so I was thrown into this, this environment and, and I got to see uh, the, these people that were filled with the spirit and they, they almost glowed. <laughs> in my eyes. There was, there was this aura about them. There was this grace. There was this love. There was this openness that, that I couldn't understand. And suddenly, in light of who they were, I was aware of my own depravity. I was aware of my own need. I was aware of my own emptiness because I could see their fullness. And I said, I didn't know. Well, what is that? I don't have that. And I and, and my appetite was stirred. I, I'm, what, it, there's something real there. I, I want that. And when I got back from this uh, mission trip, one of the people from the trip uh, sent me this book uh, by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life, uh, which was popular years ago. I won't tell you my age. Um, and I, I read this book. It was 40 short like devotional chapters um, laying out the very basics of the Christian faith. So chapter one is like, God is real, like he exists. Chapter two, he created. Chapter three, you know, he created you. You're not an accident. And, and I started reading this book and every day was challenging to me. Every day I was reading about something that I didn't believe, but, but was stirred by. Wait a second, like could, could that be true? Maybe, maybe I'm not an accident. 
maybe, maybe I was created on purpose. Maybe God really is there. These were revolutionary ideas. And, and then, as I continued to read, I encountered God's grace. I encountered this God who wanted to bless. I encountered this God who was calling me by name, who had chosen me, and and who was freely giving his glorious grace. And, And my heart, as I was reading, just began to beat faster in my chest. I mean, is this, could this actually be true? Is there actually a God in heaven who loves me in this way? It sounds too good to be true. And, and yet I had this moment of coming to faith in God and his goodness, both together. Not just faith that there's God, but no, the faith that the God of heaven is actually as radically good as Ephesians 1 says he is. And, and looking back, I, I actually I remember this moment of, of, of placing my faith in that and actually getting down on my knees in my room late in high school um, and, and confessing all of this to, to God. It was this moment in my life of actually moving from atheism to faith in God. It, it was this moment when God reached out, uh, touched me, and called me by name, and, and I responded. And, and it's worth noting, as kind of a side note, uh, that lurking behind the text of Ephesians 1, and even my story and, and most others, there's this uh, debate that rages on in the background. Some of you are aware of the debate about who chose who. Um, and, and how? What's the role between our, our apparent free will and our choice and, and choosing and responding to God? And does God just choose us and, and we don't have, really have a choice in responding? Or like how, do, how does God's will and our will all work together? Ephesians 1 sits right in the center uh, of that debate that's actually been going on for, for centuries. Um, does God sovereignly choose us in a way that's beyond our control? Or does God simply reveal himself and allow us to respond one way or the other? So there's tons of debate there, and I actually think the debates are really fun. Uh, But just as a side note, it would take like two or three teachings uh, on a Sunday to adequately unpack that debate and and what the schools are and and kind of what the implications are and all of that. Uh, And... It would totally distract us from the heart of the matter this morning, uh, which I believe is God's goodness and God's grace. So the debate is fun, but I want us to stay focused on God's goodness and God's grace. What I was stunned by as an inquisitive atheist uh, was not some mathematical formula proving God's existence. That, That isn't what won me. What won me was the incredible goodness of God's grace. The scriptures say that it is the kindness of God, it's his goodness, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And that was true in my case. I got this glimpse in a really simple book 
of the goodness of God, of his grace, of his kindness. And it led me into repentance of turning toward God. I, I got this picture of a God who chooses us, who calls us, who forgives us, who makes us holy and blameless and adopts us in, uh, lavishing us with grace. In, in fact, it says that God died to redeem us with his own blood. And as I read all of that for the first time, I instantly realized that there is no one else in heaven or on earth like him. No one. It's not even close. And yet... There's this very real human struggle, isn't there? Uh, To believe in God's goodness, inside and outside of the church. There's this struggle. Can I believe in what Ephesians chapter 1 says? Is that actually true? And you open up your Bible in the first couple pages, and what you read about is this struggle that Adam and Eve go through. Do we believe in God's goodness? Can we believe that God is really as good as as he's made us to believe? Or maybe not. And and what you read about in that story is that their, their lack of understanding of God's goodness, their insecurity in God, drives them toward rebellion, and, and the whole thing goes sideways. A whole human project is, is plunged into darkness. But it's based on the same struggle. The same struggle that I was going through in my atheism. Is God really there? And is he really this good? Is he as undeniably good as Ephesians chapter 1 says he is. I think this is the true human struggle. Will we believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that God has lavished his grace on you? Over the top, abundant that you are forgiven, not halfway, all the way. That you are chosen, that you are adopted in. Do you believe that you've been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ? Because that's a strong statement. In Jesus, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Not half the spiritual blessings, not a portion of God's love, not a portion of God's favor, not a portion of God's heart. Paul says no. In Jesus, it's all of it. Every one of us in this room 
has different skills, different talents, different roles within our culture, different roles within the body of Christ. There's an incredible variety among us, as there should be. But this is the same across the board. For every single follower of Jesus, you have been blessed, you, me, we, collectively, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There is nothing you could do to earn more of your heavenly Father's spiritual blessing. There's nothing that you can earn, there's nothing you can strive your way into when it comes to his blessing. Paul's saying, no, 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 it's already been won by Jesus. And now we can rest in the love, in the love, in the, in the blessing of our Father. And I don't know about you, but, but I'm very type A, motivated, ambitious. I, I like to win. I like to earn stuff. I, I just do. That's my personality. So when I read through a passage like Ephesians 1, I'm actually challenged, delighted, blown away by this simple concept that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God is not withholding a blessing. He says, in Christ, you have it all. There's no earning here. There's no striving. There are not favored children of God at the top receiving the best of God's blessing and and second-rate kids at the bottom receiving spiritual scraps. That's not how it works. So no, no, no. If you've given your life to Jesus, if his kindness has led you to repentance, if he's chosen you and called you by name, end of story, you get every spiritual blessing in him. That's it. And I don't know about you, but this makes every bit of difference for me in my day-to-day living. Uh, My wife and I are in a tough stage of life with our kids right now. We love our kids to death, but it's just a hard, hard stage. We have a four-year-old who is testing all of the boundaries who loves to act out, who loves to, is, you know, I, I just wants to disobey and do the opposite just to test mom and dad. And it works. Uh, and, and then we have a two-year-old who's just like off the walls, crazy, passionate, like wants to fight everybody. Like he'll just look at me and furrow his brows and say, dad, I'm gonna fight you. And I'm like, oh, like, Eli, just like, I just want to eat my breakfast, man. Like, can I just like, no, Dad, I'm going to fight you. I'm like, oh. Like, okay. Good morning to you too. And, and then we've got a six-month-old who you've probably heard uh, yelling in the back um, who, who's kind of teething and, and needing constant attention and all the rest. Uh, at our house... There's usually, at just about any given time, at least one person crying. 
child or adult. Um, and, and somebody is always needing something desperately <laughs> at, at, any, at any given moment. No, dad, right now, I need it right now. Okay, well, your brother's crying and your other brother's trying to fight me. Can I deal with that first? And, and it's a ton of, of fun, um, but it's also chaotic uh, and hectic and can just be difficult sometimes. Uh, and, and so sometimes my wife and I just, just feel worn out. Uh, and we had this rare moment where like all the kids were occupied um, yesterday or the day before. And she came and just, you know, was confessing that exhaustion. Uh, and I'd been studying for this teaching. So I said, honey, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus. Like in the heavenly realms, he's actually, ble- he's given us every, he's not holding back. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Like, isn't that just like, I can't even wrap my mind around that. And, and my wife looked at me and she said, what are all the spiritual blessings? <laughs> and I was like, I, I actually don't know. I, I don't know. If you know, you should talk to my wife afterward. I, I realized like I'm, I've had that phrase just rolling around in my mind. It's amazing to me. It actually changes my perception of the world as I meditate on it. It's amazing truth. And, and I don't actually know what all of the spiritual blessings are. I could probably list out some of them. Others are just beyond me. But I know that as a child of God, chosen by the Father, all of them are mine. All of them. Even the ones I don't understand, even the ones I I can't list out, they belong to us. God, in his grace, at his initiative, decided to bless us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us, forgave us, adopts us, makes us holy and blameless, and now I have to remind myself daily that I am both blessable because of the forgiveness of Christ and fully blessed by my Father in heaven. Because the circumstances of the world will not, will, will not scream that to me. They're screaming a different message to me and, and so I have to remind myself of the truth. No, I'm actually fully blessable and blessed with every spiritual blessing by my Father in heaven. You are not an outcast. You are not an orphan. You are not a spiritual employee attempting to climb the corporate spiritual ladder. That is not who you are. Paul says, no, you, you are a child who is blessable and fully blessed by your Father in heaven. And, and when revival comes, one of the things that characterizes it is a revelation of the Father's heart. Who God actually is and how he actually feels about us. That's enough. When a community grasps that, it, it lights on fire. When we, as, as finite, 
confused, sometimes foolish human beings grasp the beauty and the majesty of, of our Father's heart, everything else begins to change. We catch a glimpse of the one who blesses us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, as we uh, head to the communion tables, as we head into worship now, I pray that you would give us a, a revelation of your love, a revelation of the Father's heart, uh, that, that we didn't have to, to do anything or become anyone or, or, or check off any spiritual to-do list in, in order to become lovable or blessable or blessed. That's actually you. God, you, you have done all of that. I pray for, for just a fresh sense of security in this room, uh, for those who have been striving for your love, always questioning, but, but surely God doesn't feel that way about me because I, and, and then we start filling in the blanks. And we actually have a lot of help filling in those blanks because our enemy loves to whisper to us. And, and sometimes we're better at coming up with reasons why you shouldn't love us, God, than we are at just accepting the truth that you do. And, and so I, I pray for a, a fresh wave of security uh, in your love to ripple through this room that, that you would actually help us even as we worship to see ourselves as, as children of God, completely encapsulated in your love, secure, held tight, chosen, predestined, called out, and blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God, would you open up our minds to that reality? Because my mind naturally wants to reject it. And yet it's true. So we say, come Holy Spirit, open our eyes, open our hearts, open up our hands, so that we might receive what's true. In Jesus' name, amen.